Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. And we're live. <laughs> Cheers. Should we do a little <laughs> drink? A little clink. <laughs> adorable. Adorable. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano, and I'm here with Mariah from Mariah Creates. And we are your hosts of this lovely podcast. Today, we are diving into part two of our series on getting started with letterpress. In the last episode, we talked about outsourcing and all the things that you would need to know if you want to outsource, things to be like think of ahead of time, things to make your uh, experience a lot easy, breezy, beautiful. <laughs> um, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, it's Ooh, a trademark. I don't, so I don't care. It's well, perfect. I love it anyway. We'll wait. We'll wait till yeah. someone tells us we can. Anyway, <laughs> so hi, we're here. Yay. Yeah, Jillian and I. Uh, you know, if you're a designer or somebody who's looking to start printing professionally, or you want to create something really fun, we talked a lot about like what you'll need to know if you want to outsource that to a letterpress, or mostly it's relative to foil as well. But um, yeah, so we talked about that. Now we're going to talk to those people out there who are ready to buy their own press. It's time. Do it. Yeah. Highly support you. We are, we're fans. It's time. Um, yeah. We, we're here for you and we want you to become part of our tribe. Yeah. Please join. We would love to have other printers uh, join us in the print world. So, yeah. Um, we also, I think both of us have probably, I know I have talked to people uh, via social media or email or phone. Um, who are looking to get a press and they reach out with like, Hey, I found a press near me for sale. Like, do you think I should get it? And it's like, there's a lot of things to consider. So we're going to run through some of these. We're going to give you kind of like what to look for, questions to ask, places to look when you're looking for a press and, uh, hopefully everything you need to know to find a good press for you. Yeah. We've said this before, but Mariah and I, um, had very little experience with presses uh, when we first brought our own presses home, Mariah's first one was her tabletop Kelsey. Am I yep. correct? Yeah. And um, mine was Gordy. He's the only press I own. But we both bought those kind of not really knowing what we are getting ourselves into. So today we're going to start off with probably some better advice than that, <laughs> which is <laughs> go check out a press. Yeah. So, Mariah, can you tell us a bit about where people can, you know, go see some of these machines before they bring one into their own oh, home? Oh, for sure. So we, I mean, in general, I think as consumers, a lot of us like to, especially when you're making what is a large investment, um, be it space or financially, uh, letterpress is not a, <laughs> a lighthearted decision, um, you know. So a lot of us like to make that decision by seeing or touching or using a thing before we buy it. Like that's why retail stores still exist, you know, like, yeah, it's easy to go online and just order the thing you need. But like, 
sometimes you need to see it and feel it and understand it in real life before you can just purchase it. Um, and for letterpress, you know, not completely available everywhere, but uh, there are a lot of places that you can get your hands on a press or at the very least see a press before you start to make this decision. Um, and in depending in, on where you're at in the United States or elsewhere, um, there are printers across the globe. So I guarantee you there's somebody somewhere in your province, your state that has a press. And most people who are a lot of press printers are pretty friendly um, and they might be willing to just show you their shop. Um, if you live in a larger metropolitan area, you could be fortunate enough to have a center for book arts or a school colleges um, that will teach letterpress. Um, so, you know, there's some options. So there are book art centers, um, in the United States. I think there's like about like 20 to 30 book art centers that are specifically dedicated to the art of making, printing, creating books. Um, so that has, you know, some other elements like book binding and, uh, paper making and things involved as well. But a lot of times letterpress is included in that. And there's also uh, people who are just letterpress instructors, and that could be private individuals, it could be private groups, um, it could be people who are dedicated to printing, not the entire art of bookmaking, right? So um, there's there are resources around, and of those two categories, there are like over 300 of those in the U.S. Uh, alone. So. If you're looking for either of those things, uh, we've mentioned this before, so you've probably heard us talk about Letterpress Commons. It's a website, free to use. They have an amazing map feature, and the map has filters, and you can filter it by people who offer Letterpress instruction. And I guarantee you, if you pull that map up and you're in the United States, you're going to find somebody way closer than you ever thought. Um, and, <laughs> you know, there's contact information, there's business names, websites, uh, all of that available. So look it up. Go see a press and, you know, they may not have the press that you're interested in getting. Like, for example, uh, the Center for Book Arts here in Minnesota is incredible. They have a whole room full of different lead type. They have a variety of presses. Um, when I first took a class there, I actually learned on a Vandercook, which is a flatbed press. I ended up not buying a Vandercook because they're quite a bit more expensive. They're, uh, you know, a little bit harder to find just wasn't the right press for me. Um, it didn't end up happening that way. That's all well and good. But I got to see a Vandercook. I got to learn how to ink up a press, how to clean a press, uh, do all these things that are still applicable to any press that you get. So getting your hands on a press of any kind is incredibly helpful, no matter what route you end up going. Even if you don't buy a press, it's still good to get an idea of what the process looks like if you're gonna be designing for letterpress. Um, so yeah, highly recommend going anywhere where you can get your hands on a press or at the very least see one in operation. Um, and also when you're thinking about like space, like we've all like seen those like memes or TikToks or whatever where somebody orders a couch and it's like a doll couch and they get it and they like think it's a full size couch for like a good deal and they end up getting like a tiny, a tiny little toy couch or a kid's couch, you know, like <laughs> we've all seen that stuff, right? Like it's not quite the same with letterpress, yeah. but like knowing what a press actually looks like in real life and how big it is and how hard it's going to be to move is a whole different thing than reading about it on the line. So um, if you have the opportunity, yeah. definitely go and see a press in person. And if you're really lucky, you'll have a cool printer that you may make friends with that afternoon and uh, have a connection, you know, either way. So yeah. And I would say even if you don't find somewhere super close, like make a trip out of it right so even if it's not like 30 minutes down the road or an hour down the road like 
try to find somewhere and book a class or a tour or something and just go nerd out. Give yourself like a little date. Yeah. A little artist date. And like, so Minneapolis, the Center for Book Arts here, Minnesota Center for Book Arts is the full name. They have classes that they do, but they also have like little miniature classes and they're like super like low commitment and you get to go there. They're like $25. They do it like on Fridays or something like that. And this was mostly pre-COVID, so my information could be out of date. But they do these, like, introductory, super easy, like, everything is kind of set up for you, but you get to pull the lever and make the print. You know, like, it's a really, like, low, like, overhead way to see a press in action and get an idea of what printing actually looks like. Um, and to just kind of mingle with people. Like, there's also, there's Center for Book Arts in a lot of metropolitan areas. There's a lot of colleges that teach letterpress. Um, I know that San Francisco has a Center for Book Arts and Otis in LA. There's places in New York. Pretty much anywhere on the East or West Coast has something. So if you're going mm -hmm. to San Francisco this year or if you're going to be visiting New York for some reason, like there are definitely book art centers in these places that you're going. There's even some in Florida. Like, you know, wherever you're going, there's likely to be something in that area that would be beneficial even yeah. if it's not in your area directly so um yeah when you're planning your next vacation just see what else is in the area add it to your itinerary yeah we all go to museums and shows and amusement parks and stuff like why not go to a print shop <laughs> i was actually just so i just typed into google printing museums usa um because i know we have ours here in uh southern california one in sacramento too um oh my gosh there's so many there's one in Houston, in Zion, in uh, Peabody, in Cincinnati, in Gilbertown, San Francisco, Cockeysville. Yeah. That's one to go to. Literally. <laughs> so, seriously, there are so many of these. And um, even just like making a friend, making a contact, somebody that you might be able to reach out to if when you do get your press, you just need some help or advice uh can go a long way yeah for sure. for sure and i think like um you know even while you're there in person asking that person questions about the press that you're using and about the other presses that might be around and that kind of stuff is super helpful like you'll learn a lot more in that half hour hour you know or day than you would googling things for the end until the end of time you know <laughs> like so yeah. it's use, yeah you know use that time and use that uh that instructor to to answer all the questions that you have um and you'll learn so much so quickly okay so yep when you're deciding what kind of press what do you want to think about <laughs> there are three very key things yeah. i would say that you want to think about those are what you want to print on it where you're going to put it and how you're going to get it there yeah oh my gosh how to get it there like <laughs> Just honestly, those three things alone can narrow down what kind of press you're going to buy. And if you know what kind of press you're shopping for, it makes the shopping experience way easier. You know, like you wouldn't like if you're going to go buy a new car and you have absolutely no idea what you want, the options are overwhelming and a car salesman is probably going to take advantage of you, to be yeah. honest. But if you know exactly what you want it just makes it easier for you to search. It makes it easier for you to negotiate. You understand more things about it. And these three questions can really narrow it down for you. So like, let's look at the first one. What do you want to print on it? If you're trying to just print small little cards, you know, just kind of like little cute artsy things, then like a tabletop might be perfect for you. 
right? Yeah. Like a Kelsey. Totally. Something with a smaller print area is totally fine. It doesn't have to be motor powered. Like you're only going to be making, you know, so many of something, then great. You know, you don't need that like power, or that weight, or, you know, that massive like uh, set up and breakdown process for smaller things. Yeah, absolutely. But if you want to print like invitations, if that's like your bread and butter and you want to get into that, but you're also not interested in printing large things like posters, then a platinum press may be really good for you because platinum presses usually have like a six by nine printing area, if not slightly larger, um, but definitely not any larger than like a sheet of eight and a half by 11. Okay, random. I learned today that Chandler and Price's come in a size 14 by 22. What? I didn't even know this existed. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But well, wait, now this totally counteracts something that we said in an earlier episode. Very (laughs) important. Yeah, I learned this today. You know, we all learn something new every day, right? That's part of the process. But um, yeah, apparently they exist in 14 by 22 size. And that's wild yeah that's like that is literally like letter size print area so i just yeah that blew my mind anyway so i digress sorry to derail this conversation but i had to throw that in there i mean at the very least that's probably gonna be like a 12 and a half by like 20 yeah like 20 by 12 print like that's insane i know I've never seen that. I believe you. I've just, I'm Yeah, shocked. I met with Jason today, who's uh, working on developing a type foundry here in Minnesota, and he used to operate a 14 by 22 Chandler and Price, and I was like, uh, didn't know that existed, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, okay. All right. So you could get this one very special Chandler and Price yeah, if you want to print posters. Regardless. Yeah. I really should not have, I should have just kept that to myself, but uh <laughs> no, 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 no. It's really important to fact check to ourselves. I mean, here, this is actually a really good example. We we researched that answer in that previous episode. I edited out some of the research process, yeah. but we did try to look it up. And I think the largest we came up with was like a 12 by 17 12 by or something. Yeah. 12 by yeah. 18. Yeah. Anyway, so the printable area is an important factor. And yeah. Our platen presses and our flatbed presses have different capabilities, uh, with exceptions to every rule, of course. <laughs> but yeah. if you're thinking larger, you know, projects, uh, bigger sizes, bigger print areas, then that will definitely rule out some things for you. Um, yeah. yeah. And even like high volume, if you plan on doing like wholesale, you'll probably want something with like a motor. Yeah. You know? I don't know what else I was going to say after that, but (laughs) you'd probably want something with a motor. (laughs) And maybe even paper feeding, like an automated windmill, you know. Uh, So if you're going to be doing quantities, if you're going to be doing larger sizes, if you are okay with small small quantity and smaller print areas, um, if you're going to be doing a lot of business cards, something like a cylinder flatbed press is probably not going to be great for you. So what you are going to ultimately be printing and what you want to print a lot of is going to absolutely have an impact on what press is going to suit you the best. Um, you know, and there's a learning curve yeah. for all of those presses, but I think the printable area is, is a huge factor. Yeah. And then you have to think about where you're going to put it because obviously accommodating a tabletop Kelsey is way different than accommodating a Vandercook. Yeah, for like... sure. Well, or like a Heidelberg or that giant 14 by 22 Chandler and Price. Those are going to take up so much more space yeah. than obviously – than a tabletop press uh my little kelsey takes up like two feet by 
you know, foot and a half, you know, it's like a small area. That's all it takes. It's tiny. Uh, and it was great to learn on, you know, so that's the, that's a factor to consider as well. Um, my Chandler and Price needs like, I don't know, five by four, <laughs> five feet by four feet. You know, yeah. it's like, that's a big jump. Um, so yeah, where you're going to put it is a huge consideration uh, for sure. And then you need to think about how you're going to get it there. Yeah. A two-story walk-up, probably not going to happen. Not a chance. If it is not going to be on the ground floor, you'd probably want some sort of lift or you're going to need, like, a whole crew to sort of, like... Rig it. Rig it down. So Mariah and I have talked about the potential of her p- putting her press in her basement. Yeah. And I know I have watched YouTube videos of people extracting presses out of basements. Yeah. Which, for some reason, pulling it up seems less scary to me than dropping oh, it down. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, like, you basically need to build, like, a ramp over your stairs, put your press on sleds, anchor it to something that it's going to like support its weight and then just like slowly lay it down yeah Ugh. yeah yeah so when you're considering where you're going to put it and how you're going to get it there uh you also have to think about weight these presses weigh a lot yeah um platen presses with motors can weigh 12 to 1800 pounds or more uh, the Vandercooks, the flatbed presses don't weigh as much, um, but they're still heavy. Even though they're yeah, bigger. Yeah, they are bigger, but yeah. they aren't as heavy. Uh, but they're not cast iron in most cases, so that's what makes them lighter, you know. Um, so the weight is a huge consideration. You're going to not, like, a regular passenger elevator might have a, a weight limit that's below that. Um, you know, you might need a legitimate freight elevator, depending on what type of press you're looking at. Uh, when you're moving it and how you're going to get it there. You're going to need a pallet jack. You're going to need something. You're going to be able to like, you can't just like pick it up and carry it with a group of people. Like there's nothing to hold on to there. You know, it's like, there's a lot to consider when moving a press and it is a complicated thing and it's dangerous. Uh, you could break your press, et cetera, et cetera, or worse, you could get injured. Um, so yeah, getting it somewhere is challenging to say the least. Yeah. Can it be done? If you look on YouTube, absolutely. absolutely. Yes, you can. <laughs> I had Gordy in my living room of my last apartment, and it was such an experience. Like, he, we had to take the front door off, but once we took the front door off, he literally fit with, like, an eighth of an inch gap on either side. And we got him through. And there was one little tiny step up that was a whole ordeal, and I'll probably talk about that a little later. But um, once we got it in, the one thing that I didn't consider that you do want to consider is the structural component to the floor that you're putting it on. Because what I realized is that as soon as we set it down, it looked like the floor was going to sink below him. (laughs) And because we're renting an apartment and I don't know, I don't know anything about this building and how it was built. Who knows what he was sitting on top of? Like. And who's to say, like, a sheet of plywood isn't enough to fix that? But, like, at the same time, it's something just to think about. Like, when you actually yeah. get it, like, when you go to move it into a place, you have to consider the base that it's either on currently, because a lot of presses are already on wood bases for easy moving. Um, if it's not, how are you going to get it onto a base? But also, like, the floor. If it's concrete, you're probably safe. Like, if it's, you know, tile, you could crack whatever tile you're about to set that down on. Like, that's a serious thing to consider. Yeah. Um. You know, and also with like, uh, with motorized presses, 
I think probably presses in general, you have to consider that if they're not like running super smoothly, they may move too. like, like rubber, oh, like yeah. rubber footings and things like that under your presses can, can be valuable as well. So there's, you know, there's a lot of like logistical things to consider when you're talking about like, oh yeah, I can just put it in my garage. Like that's probably the easiest option. If you want to move it into your house, that's uh, quite a bit more complicated and definitely some more layers to, to unravel. Yeah. So once you've kind of ruminated on those three things, you probably have a good idea of like what you can afford both financially and spatially. Um, And that will really narrow down what press you want. Okay, Mariah. So let's say that you know exactly what press you want to procure. Yeah. Where are you going to find okay, it? Okay, so I immediately would check Craigslist, um, and and I would broaden my search a little bit further out from my direct area. Probably not going to do like a 10-mile radius on that search. <laughs> Probably going to open yeah. that radius up a little bit just to, you know, give me some more options. Um, and I also have to say, like, you know, there is Briar Press, which is another resource we've mentioned mm-hmm. before. They have classifieds. Um, Facebook Marketplace definitely has uh, letterpress buy and sell groups and letterpress groups in general where people will post things, but also where people cross share. Like I've shared presses that are available. Um, I think you have too. Like we've seen other printers Mm -hmm. that somebody posts something and people share it because you want the press to go to a good home. So um, social media for sure is always a a relevant option. Um, And I would say also like, do a lot of searching and don't just like post that you're looking for something like it probably isn't going to come to you. Like you're going to have to go looking for a press. I would also add to this to be a little more generalized. Like, okay. Say like when I was looking, I knew that I wanted an, a less expensive press. I wanted something smaller. I didn't want, you know, the biggest press out there. I didn't want an automated windmill, but I like the idea of a platen press. Um, I looked at a Golding Pearl, which is super small and adorable and could fit in like any house ever, and that would be fine. Um, I looked at a giant Chandler and Price, um, and then I ended up getting mine, which is kind of the medium range in between those two things. So, you know, you may find, like, I searched letterpress. I searched letter space press. I searched printing press. I searched press. I searched, you know, all the things that I could come up with that were relative because a lot of times presses end up in the hands of people who don't know what they are. Um, And the same Mm -hmm. with equipment, you know, for any kind of printing equipment that's relevant. Um, So be prepared to do some digging and put your thinking cap on, on if somebody stumbled upon this this press and they didn't know what it was, Heidelberg, Chandler and Price, Kelsey, Golding, all of these manufacturers, uh, those are usually stamped on the machine somewhere. So those are the first thing people, if you had no idea what this piece of equipment was, you'd be like, okay, it's a Chandler and Price from Cleveland, Ohio. Like, that's a good thing to search for. Um, you know, you're not just searching for CNP 8 by 12 Like, that's not, that's too specific a lot of times. Um, so yeah, just 
mm-hmm. be generalized and look kind of at the broad scope of things and be flexible. You know, if you really have one particular press that you want, that's a different thing. But if you're just looking to get a press, there are usually options out there. Like, I mean, what about you when you were looking? Because you ended up with a press that's not one of the more popular versions. Like Chandler and Price is pretty common. So that was not a unique press to find. How did you find yours? Like, what did you search mm-hmm. for? So what's funny is I um, I did end up finding that by searching CMP, which I don't know how this person came up with listing it that yep. way because it's not a Chandler and Price. And looking back on it, that should have concerned me that <laughs> the person I was buying it from probably didn't know anything about the yeah. press. But they owned it for 10 years. I mean, they didn't really, like, do anything with it. But um, I think you make a good point to – And honestly, this is good for any sort of like SEO search thing is think about it in a way that like if you knew nothing, like think about all the different terms you could be using and going for those words that are likely printed right on the machine is such a good way to go, even though that I actually owned Gordy and like got him home and then was like Zach was taking him off the truck and I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't a Chandler and Price. I have no idea what I just bought. And I was like freaking out. I was freaking out. I was like, I know nothing about this. What am I going to do? And like, they're so stinking similar. It's not even funny. But yeah, the ad, the the ad definitely said CMP 8 by 12 for sale. That's hysterical. Um, Yeah, so I agree, like, looking on these marketplaces and definitely, like, doing the search, putting the work in. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, you might also, if you post that you're looking for something specific, somebody might come to you and be like, hey, I have a challenge, Gordon Press. (laughs) Yeah, true, true, true. And you can be like, that'll work, you know, like, knowing what your options are that are similar uh, in price and in capability and all of that, like, you know, that's also part of the research process you know, yeah like- at the time if this person had told me that Gordy was a challenge Gordon I I mean I would have had to go do my homework yeah. and like figure it out and which brings me to a point that I wanted to make is that if you think about the questions that we talked to you about before especially the how you're gonna move the press that you want you're in a really good position to buy. Like if you know your budget and you've already thought ahead about how you want to move this thing, you'll be in a much better position than I was, which like there were potential other buyers. Um, The press absolutely had to go by a certain date. I think I had like 48 hours or something. Um, I really hadn't put a lot of thought into how I was going to move it. And so I ended up like, myself and Zach, who was my boyfriend at the time, had to move, like, call off work for the day, go down and move it just the two of us. Like, lickety split, had to get it done. Um, And we did it, and and it all was well, but it could have been a lot more stress-free situation if I had actually put some thought into it and wasn't just scrolling eBay before I, you know what I mean, before I thought about anything else. I guess we should throw eBay in the mix too. I I skipped over that. Oh, if we didn't if we yeah. didn't mention eBay, then yes, absolutely, because yeah. that's where I got yeah. mine. eBay. And I um I looked on eBay like forever. Um, I also find that eBay is one of the best places to find lead type 
type is so available on eBay and there are so many options out there. So if you're looking for lead or wood type, eBay is definitely a good one to look at as well. But um, for looking for a press, just be flexible, know what you're looking for and what alternatives are out there because you may get close, but not quite, you know what I mean? Um, and also part of like doing your research and knowing what presses are out there, like knowing that a Chandler and Price is not the same thing as a, you know, like a, a Pearl, um, those that can save you a lot of money and it can save you a lot of like struggle because if I had gone with that golden Pearl, I probably would have, I would have paid four times what I paid for my Chandler and Price. And Mm -hmm. I think that what he was charging was a fair price. Uh, it wasn't for me at the time, but it, you know, I think looking back on that now, it's like, yeah, that's fair. Um, so I saved, you know, I could have bought four Chandler and prices for that price. So it's like, you know, and that may be your best option is a Golding Pearl, which is a beautiful, small size press that's foot treadled. Like there is so much appeal to that. But if you really only have a certain budget to work with, then knowing that that's not really an option uh, or if the person's not willing to negotiate, then, you know, you can skip right over that stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times the presses, um, especially floor models like CMPs, um, a lot of times their price point are pretty low, especially if it's like uh, someone who's fairly knowledgeable about the machine. I feel like no, they know not to charge like a butt ton of money for it. Um, but you will pay a lot to move it if you hire people to move it. It's usually like, I don't know, I kind of want to say like anywhere between 800 and 1200 depending on the complexity of like where you're moving it to, right? Like, wouldn't you say that's fair? Uh, Eight to 12? Yeah, so it's hard to say because depending on your area and what's available to you, um, like I know that in your area, you'd be most likely to go with like a rigging company. They are professionally trained and capable of moving heavy machinery and that's what they do for a living, right? So that's someone that you would trust mm -hmm. with your press. Um, that would be probably in that price range. Uh, however, I have in my area a miraculous little man named Paul Frank who uh, moves <laughs> presses. Paul. He moves a lot of the bigger stuff, but like occasionally he'll do small jobs and you know, it's like finding someone that you trust to move your press is a big deal um, because they're not yeah. something that they can just order another of. And not everyone is insured to move presses. And that's what makes it expensive. Um, you know, if somebody tipped your press over, which these floor models, platen presses are really heavy on the top. If somebody tipped that over yeah. and broke part of it, um, if it couldn't be like spot welded, you might be out a press. And if you've already paid for that press, you know, that's on you. Um, so finding someone to move it is not necessarily the, the smallest, easiest task. A lot of people move presses themselves, though. Um, I've watched videos of like Chelsea mm -hmm. from Inky Press, who we mention a lot. Um, she, I think, pulled a press out of a basement. There are videos all over YouTube of people moving presses out of basements. And I know this because I have looked. <laughs> <laughs> I have hoped and dreamed of having my press indoors somewhere warm and cozy and uh, researched every possible option. And if you're doing something like moving a press into a basement, down a set of stairs, through a doorway, up over the curb, that's going to be way more expensive and way more complicated to do than just moving it straight into your garage. You know, so considering your space and how much it's going to cost you to actually move it, um, you know, that could be a consideration for sure. 
the flatbed presses are a lot more expensive and that's just kind of a fact of life and they're more expensive but they're also a lot lower to the ground therefore in some ways they're easier to move um they're a little less risky mm-hmm. yeah you just get one of those like a pallet jack yeah a pallet yep. jack and bam you're just you just carry that thing right exactly. away so you know yeah. that's a huge factor to consider as well but uh yeah yikes i don't even want to think about moving my press again <laughs> <laughs> she says as she's also looking at spaces to rent to put her rest literally actively planning uh yeah don't you fool us mariah yeah. all right so i want to give our listeners some questions that they should ask if they are shopping for a press online um especially if you don't know um a ton about this machinery. I, I certainly didn't. And I think I asked maybe some of these questions, but I didn't ask them all. And I just got really lucky. But here are some things that you might want to ask. When was it last used? Why is it being sold? Always a good one For to know. Sure. Where has it been stored? So important. <laughs> so important. If it has been stored outside, you're probably going to have some rust to deal with. It's not the end of the world. Like, rust can be fixed to some extent. Yeah, with some good elbow grease and hope. Uh, uh, yeah. And love. Um, ask them if they know what maintenance is expected to be required to get it running. Some people will not. A lot of people who have these presses and are getting rid of them have inherited them from a loved one who taught them nothing about yeah. the press. So they may not know. But you might get lucky and they might know. And it's just good to ask, and that way you can anticipate additional labor. And the last one is just ask if anything comes with it, like rollers, trucks, um, the chase, any furniture, if they have any kind of accessories that they can give you. Because sometimes taking a press that needs a little love but comes with a nice bundle of goodies is worth it than taking like a perfect condition press but you have to outfit your entire shop with everything else like you will probably spend more money getting all of your coins and your furniture and god forbid you need to get a chase like that's a whole other search um so it, it could be like a trade-off like you know cleaning off a little rust and giving something some love for a good trade. For sure. It can also be a huge negotiation point, which I don't think should be overlooked. Like, you know, a lot of these presses are uh, things that people bought decades ago or that have inherited or whatever the case. Like, there is room for negotiation in this. And if you have the time, I know that you didn't when you were buying your press, Jillian, but like, sometimes you have a little bit of a window where, you know, if you're in an area where not a lot of people are buying presses, um, it could be a really great negotiating tool being like, great, if you throw in all of these things, like if you, or they may be like, take all of it, I don't care. You know, like if they don't have other presses, if they're not a printer by trade, they may just give you all this stuff anyway, but like, it's definitely a negotiating point. If you know that you're gonna have to replace the rollers or if it doesn't come with rollers, um, you know, like that is important to know because rollers are a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, depending on your press. Like that is important to know because that's negotiating factor as well um and there are a lot of people who sell shops like all together you know they sell everything they have and they're just retiring or somebody passed away or whatever the situation may be um 
and sometimes you can get a lot of little goodies and I still have like I'm one of those fortunate people that ended up with some books and lead type and furniture and things like that that just kind of like came with it and not everything will be usable for sure but you get a little bit of that legacy along with it which is kind of cool um Mm -hmm. yeah so definitely something to ask and on this like on this subject I think it's really important to like you know see it in person before you buy anything um and see it in operation hear it there's a lot of things you can tell like by loud noises and weird sounds and that will tell you a lot about the press and its condition um, and whether it's been maintained or if it hasn't, um, that kind of thing. So even just turning the flywheel, turning the motor on, that kind of thing can be really helpful if you get a chance to see it in person, which you should absolutely do before you buy anything. <laughs> yeah, never give someone money for something you haven't seen with your own eyes. Um, I wish I didn't feel as timid like when I went to go pick mine up. It was, I mean, this really nice suburban housewife. It wasn't like some grouchy old man, but I still felt like too afraid to like ask her if I can run it to like see if it worked. Um, Not that I would have had any clue as to what it should or shouldn't sound like, which takes us back to the very first point, like just going to see some presses in action, even if you're not using them will get you familiar with the way they move, the sounds they make, um, or watching YouTube videos. Like, if you just educate yourself a little bit, you may be able to save yourself some heartache of, like, someone selling you a press that's just totally unoperational. Yeah, I recently was talking to Kara Jo of Nap Design Company, and she was looking at buying a press and sent me a video, and I said, what's that weird noise? And, like... That kind of thing can be either completely okay. It's part of just the ink disc rotating. Like, it's just loud and clanky. That's fine. Presses make noise. It's knowing that, like, this noise is not consistent with other presses. Um, That can be a huge red flag. And that could save you a lot of struggle and strife later on. Um, These are machines. They are meant to run smoothly. If the noise that you're hearing isn't something that sounds right, investigate it and I think like if like I'm serious like look around and no I just have a funny story oh my god please go I'm laughing because the other day I was beside myself I actually put my sound canceling headphones on because Gordy was making a noise and I checked all of his oil holes and I could not take it anymore it was so squeaky it was driving me nuts It must have gone on for like a half hour of like me stopping and checking and oiling and greasing and then going and it's still squeaking. (laughs) Overall panic. Yeah. Yeah. I literally was to the point. And then I have no idea what made me think of it, but I'm going to tell you the answer. When I took off my old rollers to get new rollers, I cleaned out like the area you know how um the core of the rollers connects into those like two little things that like what's a good way to describe it for our listener the rails N- not oh, the rails yeah, the actual yeah. like clippy things that you slide them into <laughs> you can't see us but Jillian yeah. and I are making little hooks we're making little hooks with our arms um <laughs> it's like it's called it's like the arm of the press it's like the ink roller 
Oh my god, we're gonna have to find. Yeah, but what are the little clasps called? Where is my Google? Okay, while Mariah's looking up the name, I'll finish my story. So basically, there are these two little clasps that are at the end of the arms that you attach your rollers to, and it's just like the tiny core stem of your rollers that go into this part. Well, when I took out my old ones, I noticed that they were so greasy and gross in there, so I wiped them down. Turns out that grease was 100% supposed to be there, and without that grease, the most awful high-pitched squeaking noise occurs, and it will drive you insane. It will literally drive you insane. Yeah, that sounds awful. But the thing was is the only thing I had on hand is the oil that I use to actually oil the press. And this genuinely felt like I re- looking remembering back to when I cleaned it, it genuinely felt like a grease, like something that would be like thick yeah. when you, you'd like scoop it out of a jar. Um, I didn't have anything like that on. So I did just put the oil, but I could tell that it needs something thicker. Um, so I have to do a little research into like what would be best to like put on that. Um, just to keep those babies staying nice and quiet. Yeah, that's interesting. Let me know what you find out on that because I would love to know more about how to make my knot squeak. Um, apparently, those are called saddles. They come in single or double. And Oh, my gosh. Wait, we need to pause because as of seven hours ago, Cara Jo from Nap Design Co., which we just talked about, introduced Dorothy, a 1940s Chandler and Price. <laughs> welcoming her to the team she's gorgeous congratulations oh welcome to the world little dorothy we're so happy you joined us in the uh, letterpress printing community cara joe <laughs> that's amazing i uh yeah i love cara joe for many reasons she's hilarious but also she's incredibly talented so i'm excited for her to ask us questions and we get to be the experts for a little while so that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good time to put a disclaimer that for some people who are listening, we are definitely not experts. For sure. I mean, we're never experts. But, like, for some people who are listening, you are obviously the expert that we would ask questions yeah. to. And for other people who are listening, we are the experts that you'd ask questions to. We are just nicely in the middle of this beautiful tree of letterpress printers. Yeah, we, we do not pretend to know everything. And I believe that's in, like, our mission statement for this podcast is, like, we don't know everything. Yes. But we will share what we do know. And we'll take you along with us as we learn. So that's that's the mo here. So do not uh, don't get us wrong. But uh, yeah, it's really fun to see people that you have talked to and worked with, and uh, see them getting into letterpress more and more every day. So that's been a blast. Um, okay, so where were we? Let's see. Seen in person before exchanging any cash because my God, no one wants to pay for something, especially in cash, which is usually what you're operating in on Craigslist or eBay or whatever, um, and have it not work Mm -hmm. out. So like, if you can see the press, listen to it, watch it move. If it moves like smoothly, if it's super janky and clunky and noisy and like something sounds wrong, go with your gut. You know, it's like a car. It should be well oiled and maintained. And if it's not, you'll know, it'll tell you, um, If it has a motor and the person who has it is like, I've never operated the motor. You know, the motor itself is replaceable. Um, It's not the end of the world. You know, there's things to look out for. But um, just if you can, turn the flywheel, get the press running, see what it sounds like and what it moves like and and go from there Um, and use your best judgment. Yep. All right. Let's imagine you've 
done your thinking. You've done your research. You've made your purchase. Now you are moving it into your garage, your living room, your studio. I hope you have a studio and you're living that bougie life and you're not out in a garage like <laughs> we, Mariah. We and want I. that for you. We want that for you. Trust us. We want that for you so badly. Okay, so you're positioning it in your gorgeous brand new studio. Oh, love it. The one thing that we want to make sure that you know, do not tuck your press super tight up into a corner. You want to make sure that you have walkable space on all sides. I am currently breaking this rule and it drives me nuts. There is three oil holes that I literally need to do like extreme acrobatic maneuvers to to get in there. And then I always end up getting like a grease stain on my shirt and like blah, blah, blah. If I had just listened to this rule and left walkable space on all four sides of my press, it would not be an issue. You absolutely need this. There is regular maintenance that needs to be done to your machine. It is a maintenance issue. It's a safety issue. Leave space around your press. Don't tuck it in a corner. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Literally. I was just going to say, so I mean, I can fit all the way around my press. Not everyone can fit all the way around my press. It, it works for me, but uh, yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. You're the person who's servicing it. You just have to be able to get around Exactly. Like, if we cleaned out some of the stuff next to my press, I think I'd be able to get to that one side, but I, at this rate, I yeah. can't. Just, just consider when you're talking about what kind of press you're getting and where you're going to put it. Like, for example, uh, my Chandler and Price has a motor, and on the left side of the press, when you're looking at it, there's a big flywheel. That's where the motor and the belt goes. That needs to be like super accessible that I have to be able to like mm-hmm. physically get all the way around that. Like I can't squeeze in there and it's super unsafe to try and squeeze in there anyway. Um, occasionally you need to turn that flywheel. You need to be able to move it. Uh, the other side of my press, which is close to the wall in my case, it's about a foot or so off the wall at least. And that is, I don't need to be able to like get in there as much but there are oil spots that i have to be able to duck down squat all the way to the ground on that side if you can't do that your press is too close to the wall like it's just you need to be able Mm -hmm. to like maneuver around because there are so many oil spots and presses a lot of them you don't even know about (laughs) and you need to be able to get in there yeah and do yourself a favor if your press is in a shadowy corner which isn't a problem because like I don't have the best lighting and I still feel like I make good prints just make sure that you have some good lighting somewhere where you could check your work but if it's in a shadowy corner there is inevitably going to be an oil spot that you forget yeah and so you either need to mark those on like a diagram for yourself to make sure you check 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 all of them or maybe put like I think the previous owner of mine put like a little dot of nail polish. Otherwise, it's just... That's what I did. I put neon pink nail polish on all of the oil spots in my press. And I love it personally. It just fits with the whole vibe. But So I think that's what my yeah. previous owner did, except she missed a whole bunch of them. So I'm like, either she started doing this and then stopped, or this is just a very weird occurrence of paint drops. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's that. So my press came with red paint on certain 
oil spots. And I don't know the rhyme okay. or reason. It's kind of like yours. Like, why do they not have them in all of them? Um, some of the little oil spots have like little caps that kind of like automatically like they're little spring loaded caps over the oil spot. Um, and those mm-hmm. were red in most cases. But there were plenty of other places that I found via manuals and just trial and error that do need oil. And I went over everything with bright pink nail polish. I need to do that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Think about where you're going to put it and not just how you're going to get it there, but when you get it there, what orient, like what direction is it going to face? And you got to be able to move around it. And it may look like, oh yeah, I could save a little bit of space by moving it closer to the wall, but that's not going to be worth it in the long run. So don't forget to leave a little bit of room uh, around the entirety of your press. And this is important for every kind of press, not just platen presses like we have, uh, not just motorized or foot yeah. shuttle. This is valuable for any press that you get. So leave room. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that about covers it. I mean, we really I think that does. I think you all should be ready to get a press now. I mean, let's let's go. I want to see everyone buying <laughs> presses. Please, please tag us. Please tag us. Um, go check out Dorothy yeah. on Nap Design Co. If you get a press, we would love to share in the joy with you. So please tag us or send us a message because yes. we will absolutely share and celebrate with you. Um, you know what, Mariah? I think um, I think next time we record, if anyone gets a press, I think we need to shout it out. Yeah. If you get a press, we'll shout you out on a future episode. <laughs> yes. If you tag us in your new letterpress purchase. We will shout you out because we want to acknowledge all of the beautiful presses that are still being used and honored and taken care of. And the new printers out there. And make sure you name it. Oh, my gosh. Name that baby. Name it. All right, Mariah. Are you ready to talk about what's hot off our Yes, I think you should go first this week because I'm (laughs) dying to hear about this. Yes. Okay. So I think this week, because we're talking about getting presses, we should do a little bit more of like maintenance technical things going on. I totally on. agree. And I I definitely have a recent one and you are yeah. really going to appreciate yeah. this. So I usually print in the late afternoon and early evenings. But the other day I was up super early out in the garage, 8 a.m. and did not realize that the winter sun comes through the door shining down on the press okay so i don't know what jillian is about to tell me but i can already tell it's gonna be terrifying i am scared (laughs) (laughs) okay so the night before i was halfway through a job that was a pattern and i had already printed two colors of the pattern The next morning, I came in, sun shining, I mixed up ink, I put the ink on, I'm going, I'm going. Halfway through that job, I am getting crazy ink results. Crazy. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. I'm like, what is going on here? I had to peel like half of the tape off of my rails. And then I realized the press is warm. It melted the tape? No, it expanded the metal. Oh my God. It expanded the metal in such a slight, like, think of the thickness of tape, right? Like slight, slight thickness of tape. It expanded the metal enough that my press, and I'm texting Zach and I'm like, is it possible that the sun has altered my (laughs) roller height? And he's like, yes, precision measurement has to be taken in like a climate controlled room. And you're usually printing He was like, you probably put that tape on when that room was like 50 degrees and now 
um, the sun is shining on it and the press is heating up a lot because it's black cast iron and it was in direct sunlight. Oh, and I was running a heater right next to it because even though the sun was out, to me, it was still cold. Like, you know what I mean? Mm, like, it was yeah. chilly. Anyway, Gordy was not chilly. He had some hot rails. That's what oh I'm calling God. them. I was like, ooh, Gordy, you you and your hot rails. And I ended up having to take the tape off. And then, lo and behold, the next day when I went in, middle of the afternoon, when the sun is not there, needed to put the tape back Weird. on. That's so wild. We, I mean, you and I constantly talk about, like, the random issues that we have, which are many, and they are often. And there's always something, right? But, like, the things you literally would never think about, like, the sun on your press. <laughs> like, I would <laughs> never even think about that being a problem yeah also what would we do without zach he's so like smart and brilliant like he's so knowledgeable (laughs) he knows about everything he builds rockets i don't think i've mentioned that on the podcast yet but he builds rockets so he just knows everything yeah he's he's incredibly Um, intelligent but also just like he makes it somehow understandable which i think is a special talent you know like yeah yeah like it's as soon as he said that i was like yeah that makes sense it should be climate controlled and then i was like another reason to get a studio (laughs) props to Zach for that yeah so that's the story of my hot rails and I did test like other things like I was messing around with my ink for a while I was messing around with the packing and like nothing would work but as soon as I took off some of that tape man it just printed perfectly so hot rails are a thing Um, if you live in a climate where your studio space is up down in temperature constantly it's just something it's like obviously manageable right like if you know about it it's just another one of the variables to account for but I didn't think of it because I never print with the sun baking on my press ever it actually is blinding me like because yeah yeah the sunlight on the white paper I had to go put sunglasses on (laughs) I'm like oh my gosh I'm blinding myself obviously I could have just shut the door actually I just realized that right now (laughs) Meanwhile, I have built an igloo around my press and barely can keep it above 45. Uh, Yeah, that's hilarious. No, it is really interesting because when we're printing a lot, it's like I never thought in school, like you think about all the things you learn in school that are like completely irrelevant to your life now. The scientific method is very valuable. (laughs) It is. Test this thing. Hypothesize. Test. Test one thing. Leave everything else the same. Yeah. Test one thing. If that doesn't yeah. fix it, put it back to where it was. Try again. Like, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wild. Well, speaking of temperature controlled, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you are all familiar, but I live in Minnesota and it was like three degrees for a high yesterday. Um, you know, it's winter here is no joke and you probably already knew that but whatever it's hard to like actually put that into real life practices especially when your press is in a garage that is yes it's attached but no it is not insulated and I with Mm -hmm. the help of my boyfriend god bless him he uh and I have built a little I call it my igloo on a good day and on a bad day I call it my well I don't know if I should say this but my meth lab (laughs) because it's like 
plastic and there's like a fluorescent light in it so it looks very sketchy um so yeah it's i'm sure my neighbors are like what is she doing in there like late at night (laughs) with her little fluorescent light at you know six o'clock when it's dark here um but yeah, yeah it's like i can heat it to about like 30 degrees higher than outside temperatures so on days when it's in the single digits or even the teens that's not really enough but when it's 20 or above, I can totally print in that area and it stays cozy and everything. Um, so yeah, it's been a really fun experience, but I personally am ready to move on from this experience and I am looking for a place to move my press into. And, you know, Jillian and I talk a lot about like the future of our businesses and what we hope for and what we dream of and ideally, and there's always a factor of like imposter syndrome or competitive, like, oh, this play- this person's doing this thing. I should have this beautiful studio that has this gorgeous natural lighting and it's all white with these wood floors. But like, you know, that's not always mm-hmm. realistic. And like, I think a lot of times I hesitate from sharing on social media and stuff because my garage is not attractive and like my press area is not beautiful and it's not aesthetic and it's not something that I want like my clients to see immediately even though printing is such a beautiful process like so i'm looking for a studio today i went and met with a local printer his name is jason and he was kind enough to meet with me and share what he's doing which is pretty incredible like type foundry stuff uh way beyond my area of expertise he's been a press man for a lot longer than i have um and it's been really cool to like not only meet someone but also to start looking at spaces and planning for the next generation of my business and like I can't wait to move it into a space that's temperature controlled (laughs) it's just the little thing yeah it's such a small ask but like that's it I literally want a plug-in and temperature control it doesn't even have to be warm it just has to be like 50 like consistent yeah (laughs) I can do the rest from there, you know. So uh, I actually don't like printing when it's hot. Yeah. Like, I want the room to be warm enough where my ink is a good consistency. Um, and that's about it. Because, well, obviously, I'm pedaling my yeah. press. So it's a workout for me. But I can't imagine anyone wants to be hot while they're printing. It's just like sweaty fingers touching. Does anybody want to be hot anytime? I don't think so. Unless you're at the beach or a pool. Like, no. I will also say that, like, when I printed in the summer, we had a couple of, like, I mean, it gets humid here in the summer and hot. And there were some days where I think the humidity actually really affected my ink more than cold does, per se. The rollers started slipping because there was moisture building up on the rails. Like, Like, things like that that, like, are essentially catastrophic to your print job with the heater and it's cold out like okay whip out the hair dryer you know like there's there's ways around that but like actual humidity actual heat there's not a lot you can do to like solve that so um yeah anyway it's interesting so the garage is great i love it it served me well for the last two years but it's time to move on to you know brighter and warmer and temperature controlled places so uh yeah well I'm excited for you and I'm very jealous and I hope that one day I'll be on the path of getting into a studio because my small ask is no spiders yeah honestly it uh, it creeps me out yeah big time the garage is not always greener on the other side like you know we all have our like space struggles and especially when you're starting out it's like you know, you just move your press into wherever you can fit it and like you just deal with that and it's good for a while. But 
uh, yeah, we're both reaching those places where we're like, okay, so I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I want to keep printing, but I don't want to do it in this space. So how do I solve that? It's really hard to find something that's like affordable to a small business. And you know what? That's okay. Because right now, like I get to get out of my bed each morning and just walk straight into my studio. Yeah. And I'm sure there are people who would really love to be able to do that. So I just have to appreciate what I have. While yeah, I have for it. sure. I think a lot of being a small business owner is appreciating the stage that you're in and knowing that it's not forever and that one day you'll be looking back and going, oh, that was so nice when I could just like walk out my back door and <laughs> go to my press, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, let's be appreciative. Yeah, let's be grateful in the moment. But at the same time, if you know of a space in Minneapolis that's looking for another creative or a printing press, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> calling out to all hello. places <laughs> hello oh it actually would be really fun if there are other small printers in our area yeah, reach out um, it would be really cool to do one of those like community type work places like a we work but for letterpress people i even feel like just meeting up for coffee or a happy hour would be great like if you live in minneapolis or St. oh yeah Paul, that's true and you are a letterpress printer listening I would love to meet you. Let's get together. Like, yeah, I just think it'd be so fun. And same for Los Angeles or surrounding areas. Come hang out with me. Yeah, let's all get together and make this a, you know, a real life community, not just a virtual one. So, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, sweet. Anything else? That's I it. mean, that I mean, it. I'm just so glad that our listeners are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we really, really appreciate you. Every time we look at our listen, like our listen count, I don't even know how to yeah, describe whatever. that. Yeah, whatever. Listens, plays. It's plays. Yeah. The plays. Yes. Whenever we go look at our play count, it just like fills our heart with joy. We are so excited that you're tuning in. Um, please. Please leave us a review or on Spotify. You can actually like leave us five stars. Um, it goes a long way to other people finding us and builds up our credibility. And we definitely want that because we want to continue bringing you amazing content. We want to bring you some incredible guests. And yes. we would love to have the reviews to back it up so that they don't have to go binge like 10 of our episodes to find out that we are the most delightful people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we want to keep the art of letterpress alive. So we want to bring people who are not necessarily printers or designers into this room. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's just support the future generation of printers and make some more people obsessed with print just like we are. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Yes. And also come on over to Instagram at Hot Off the Press Pod and share with us any new presses that you may have purchased. Yes. Uh please. And also ask us any questions because we are going to do an episode where we answer listener questions. So mm -hmm. if um, you are curious about something, please submit that cue. And if you also just have something that you want us to talk about, we've gotten some amazing episode topic suggestions. And I'm very excited to dive into those. Yeah. So uh let message us that's what i wanted to say so message <laughs> us at hot off the press pod and we'll talk to you soon cheers bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>